Tried any harder. Vault up. Brought to you from Los Angeles, California. California. You are listening to the High Voltage Talk Show, featuring Mike on the mic. What's up, Bull family? Welcome to episode two on week four of the NFL of the High Voltage Talk Show. Where I'm going to talk all Chargers all week, basically all episode once a week. Welcome to episode two. I am excited to get into it, turn this into a weekly thing. I have a lot of fun talking about my bolts. I have a lot of fun talking about your bolts. I have a lot of fun talking about your Los Angeles Chargers and my Los Angeles Chargers. I am your host, Sean Michaels, otherwise known as Mike on the Mic. And just get ready for the show, man. If this is your first time listening, every week I'm going to review the previous week's game. I'm going to talk about a topic that is Charger-related, and I am going to preview next week's game until the end of the season, and then I'm sure the format of the show will change. But for now, this is the format, and this is what I'm going to do on a weekly basis. Thank you for tuning in. Big favor, and it helps you out too. It helps me out. If you could just take a second to hit follow on whatever podcast platform you are listening on it helps me out a lot to get the episode to you it helps you get alerted when i send the episode out which is now going to be every friday instead of every saturday i originally want to do every saturday but friday gives you two days to listen to it and get ready for the game on sunday if the game happens on a thursday then we will drop the episode on a wednesday i'm not gonna cut you guys out like that (laughs) anyways let's get straight into the show i'm gonna talk about the the review of the carolina panthers game there's a lot to discuss about that rough game for us obviously we had high hopes going into that game we're going to talk about anthony lynn is he on the hot seat where has things been going wrong with anthony lynn i feel like he's a a root cause of some of the issues we're seeing on the field on a weekly basis with the chargers and then we're going to talk about a a preview of next week's game versus tom brady who could be on our team right now (laughs) and the tampa bay buccaneers so that's going to be fun to talk about i love tom brady i'm a big tom brady fan and it's exciting to see this young Chargers team and what they can do with a team the caliber of the Buccaneers. Without further ado, thanks for listening to the intro. Let's get straight into the review of last week's game. Another penalty. Herbert shakes his man, throws. That's in the end zone. That's complete to Keenan Allen. Let's check the flag. We lost to the Carolina Panthers without Christian McCaffrey. I know, I'm just as upset as you guys are. I'm just as upset as I'm sure every Chargers fan, the small number that we are. So here we go. I'm just going to kind of review the 21-16 loss to the Carolina Panthers this weekend. Something I'm not proud of. I was very upset watching, and we had a chance to win that game a couple times. And it shouldn't even have been close at the end, to be honest. We should have won that game in the second and third quarter. It should have been a blowout. Let's start off with Herbert Watch. I'm going to do it every week. I'm just going to look at what Herbert's doing out there. Like it, don't like it. 
just kind of review our rookie QB's performance in the game. In this particular game, he went 35 of 49, asking your rookie quarterback to throw 50 times. Interesting. 71 completion percentage. He threw for 330 yards, one touchdown. He had one INT passing, and he added three carries, 15 yards on the ground. His overall passer rating was an 88, but his QBR was kind of low. I don't remember the exact number. I believe it was in the 50, just because he fumbled once, and it wasn't even really a fumble, man. Actually, he fumbled twice, and they both were just like interesting calls. Ball was coming forward already. Then he got his arm got hit, and the ball flew forward, and it's an incomplete pass. You know what I mean? I, both of those look like incomplete passes to me. But, hey, the rest called him fumbles. Wasn't our day, I guess, for the rest. There's a few bad calls. Uh, There's another call where I think it was Justin Jones or Damian Square lined up over the center during a field goal attempt, but he just when you look at the replay, he clearly did not line up over the center. So I don't, I don't know what the rest were thinking or why they called it. It actually led to a Panthers touchdown which is actually how much we lost by. So we still could have definitely won this game. But I don't like blaming the rest for losses. Back to the Herbert watch. That puts him for the season in, in two games. 57 of 82, around 70% completion. I believe it's 69.9 or something like that. 641 yards, two touchdowns, and two INTs passing. Passer rating of 91. He also has uh, one touchdown on the ground and I believe about seven carries for 30 yards on the ground. Just kind of how much he has rushing. It's around there somewhere. Let's look at the bad of Justin's performance, right? The sloppy interception, obviously. He just threw a ball he shouldn't have thrown. He should have ate that and took off with it or just taken a sack there. That was an inexcusable offense for an NFL quarterback, something that he's going to learn over time. And we saw something similar to that in the first game against KC when he threw across the field. You can't do that in the NFL. It's just it's a learning it's a learning system. You can't uh, throw a hitch route when the corner is standing right next to your receiver. It's going to get picked off in the National Football League. But let's look at the good. On the flip side, he definitely built his relationship with Keenan Allen in the past week of practice. You could see it on the field, especially when they connected on that perfect throw and perfect catch to Keenan Allen. You could tell that was practiced. He threw it uh, towards a linebacker who had his back turned to Herbert. So Herbert knew that Keenan Allen had him. Uh, on skates pretty much perfect pass to where only uh, Keenan Allen could catch it very impressive by the kid there very impressive by Justin Herbert on that particular play some more of the good is another big point is that Justin Herbert's performance on third down this is the stat I've seen going around but I noticed it before it even started going around two games in on third down he is 16 of 20 193 yards he has two touchdowns passing on third down Zero interceptions thrown on third down with a passer rating of 140, which is very impressive. And they've completed 14 first downs on third down with Justin Herbert at the helm, something we didn't see with Tyrod in week one. He showed in this game that he has the ability to recover after a mistake, especially after that interception, and then play when the pressure is on, especially when we saw that 99-yard drive with time running out. How could you not be impressed from that drive, man? Pinned on the one-yard line, another weird call by the refs. It was the right call, just a weird play, honestly. That pinned us down on the one-yard line with, what, a minute and 30 left in the game and had to drive all the way down the field, and they did drive all the way down the field, and a holding penalty honestly cost us a chance at the end zone there, two chances at the end zone probably. So it came down to a Hail Mary-like situation. They tried to do a hook and ladder. It was set up perfectly. 
and just didn't execute. That's the, kind of the story of this game. The way it ended was kind of the story of the entire game. But overall, how could you not be impressed with Justin Herbert to stay poised, stay calm, and drive his team down the field with zero timeouts in the game and get us all the way into a chance to win the game? If we needed a field goal there, we probably would have won that game still, despite all the mistakes. If we would have just completed the hook and ladder, we probably would have won that game still, despite all the mistakes. If we could have not held on that one play... We could have still won that game despite all the mistakes. So to see Herbert keep it together through all that and keep it going, show some veteran poise, and I love it. I love it from the young kid. A lot of positives from this game, just that one bad interception, really. I don't really blame the fumbles on him. The fumbles were just, you know, bad line play for him getting hit while he's throwing, and on top of it, just unlucky. I, I really feel like those were both incomplete passes that got called fumbles. So he has two fumbles on his record now that really weren't fumbles in my opinion and we lost one of them I believe and then Joshua Kelly also fumbled later on in the game so just real sloppy <laughs> so anyways I have some questions about the game this week that, that that can be rhetorical or maybe I'll be able to answer them why do we put a leash on our pass rush our pass rush went crazy against Patrick Mahomes the week before but this week it was almost non-existent we had that one sack with Joey Bosa I believe Jason Tillery got in there once pressured uh, Teddy a couple times, but overall it just didn't seem the same level of dominance that we had against the Chiefs, and the Chiefs have a pretty good offense, a pretty good offensive line. I know we can dominate teams like the Panthers O-line for sure. Uh, why aren't we focusing in on practice on these dumb penalties and dumb mistakes? Chargers have a history of self-destruction in football games, and it's just almost like they're losing on purpose. Sometimes you can't even believe what you're seeing. I remember a couple years ago, we were lined up for a field goal. I forget which team we were playing. We had just lost the game by the hair on our chin, 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 four or five weeks in a row, right? And it was the sixth week, and I was and we were going to kick a game-winning field goal. It was a chip shot, and I just looked over to whoever I was watching the game with, and I said, we're going to mess this up somehow. There's, there's no way that we can mess this up, but we're going to find a way. Bad snap. Ball goes flying over the holder's head and rolls, and we lose the game. I mean, like, what can, what can you do about stuff like that? And that's a lot of that happened in this game. And and why aren't we practicing on this dumb stuff and getting this taken care of in practice before we get out on the field versus an NFL football team? Also, we're going to talk about Anthony Lynn a lot in this episode. Why isn't Anthony Lynn losing his mind on the sideline, seeing the refs blatantly blow calls? These refs probably missed about four game-changing, three game-changing calls that went against us. Um, if I was Coach Lynn, I would be losing my mind on the sideline. I would be yelling. I would be making sure they know they made a bad call because then when it comes down to make another 50-50 call, they're more likely to call in our favor if they know that we feel gypped. And that's just human nature to try and pay us back, especially when you're in a position as a referee in the NFL. I don't see the fire from Anthony Lynn on the sideline whenever you see a clear incomplete pass get called a fumble and recovered by the other team early on in the game. He could have changed the whole tempo, changed the attitude of the refs, and possibly maybe we would have got one of those calls back. It was tough. It, it was a tough game to watch. I was really upset throughout the entire game. Chargers should have won this game. We self-destructed, as I said, we always do, and we gave a free win away. We could be 2-1 right now. Instead of 2-1, and one, now we got a tough stretch of games and could be possibly be seeing a 1-4 start if we don't upset one of our next few opponents. We play Tampa this week. I believe we play New Orleans the weekend after that. Then we got kind of a softer schedule, but when you're 1-4, it's not going to be looking good for possibly making that extra wild card spot. 
So we got to beat the Bucks or we got to beat the Saints. And then going into our easy stretch of games, we got to win all the games we should win to make the playoffs. That's my review of this week's game versus the Panthers. Let's move on to the topic I'm going to talk about. And it's going to be Anthony Lynn and whether or not he's on the hot seat right now. Don't get me wrong. I thought, I thought what Justin did was I thought he came in and gave us a chance to win. But there was a lot that you don't know. There's a lot, you know, that we, we didn't get done with Justin on the field yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a backup for a reason. So here we go. A little bit of a tough topic to talk about. I know you're thinking Anthony Lynn is a great coach, and I agree. Uh, but this season I'm seeing a very coordinator style of decision-making process and coaching. Um, there's a few things to touch on. It's a tough conversation, I know, because I love Anthony Lynn just as much as you do. I love him as a person. I love him as a coach up to this point. Just this start to the season has been very questionable, and I'm seeing a lot of things that I saw in previous coaching re- regimes this year and in in the recent games that we've seen from the Chargers. I'm seeing similar stuff to uh, some Mike McCoy days, and y'all don't like remembering those Mike McCoy days. Anyways, I'll, I'll touch on a few subjects, a few things that are concerning to me, and a few ways that he can probably try and fix it, maybe. Or, or, or just a few things to think about. Food for thought on Anthony Lynn and whether or not he's on the hot seat this year. I'll start off with the t- Tyrod Taylor situation. While it is very unfortunate what happened to Tyrod, and I hope he gets well soon. I hope he gets well as soon as he possibly can. The way Anthony Lynn handled it was a little interesting. Seeing what Herbert is doing in his first few starts now, this raises questions to me that Tyrod maybe shouldn't have been starting in the first place. I know what you're thinking. I hope Tyrod Taylor doesn't hear this because I'm not trying to kick a man while he's down. I really feel bad for what happened to Tyrod and what happened should have never happened to him. But seeing, like I said, seeing what Herbert's done... It's got me raising questions. Maybe Herbert should have been the starter week one. Maybe Herbert should have been the starter from the get-go. It should have never have been Tyrod. Tyrod would have never gotten hurt, but also just Tyrod would have just been the backup quarterback, which is what he's been his whole career, really. And and seeing what Herbert's doing now, you know, Anthony Lynn could have taken away if what had happened had not happened to Tyrod. Anthony Lynn could have taken away this kid's rookie year, or he could have won rookie of the year. And it's looking like he's a rookie of the year candidate now. He could have taken away this kid's rookie career, which is a very important time in this kid's life. Very important time in his career, building confidence his rookie year. Um, as much as it does work out when you sit a quarterback for a year, I'm sure it would have worked out still. Herbert is ready to play in the NFL right now. Hands down, it is established. He's going to make rookie mistakes, but overall, he is ready to play in these games and maybe he's been ready since week one I think the difference from week one to week two is not that crazy this kid should have been starting since week one and Anthony Lynn made that call to start Taylor instead so that's questionable right there moving on to the situation with Desmond King now I know we're stacked in the secondary and the signing of Chris Harris Jr. was interesting it definitely left question marks around King's future with the team especially you know knowing that King is on his contract year this year look even if The team doesn't have future plans for King. We have got to get his talent as much as we can while we can. It's like squeezing juice from a lemon or an orange. We need to get as much as we can while we can because he's about to be gone next year. King brought this up on Twitter. I mean, it's not the best way to go about it, but that's the way he went about it. You know, everyone's different. Everyone's going to go about it a different way. That's the way he reacted to the issues of him not getting enough playing time. Which was true. He was not getting enough playing time. And then, you know, I expected to see him more this week. Because I'm, I'm sure him and Anthony Lynn had a talk. 
Against Carolina, King played even less than he did against Kansas City up until, you know, Chris Harris obviously got injured. Another unfortunate injury for us right there. Chris Harris is going to be out for a little while. King was not even punt returning anymore. They got, they're completely icing him out of his chance to play and make plays on his contract year. You have got to have your players back in this situation. You have got to reel him back in. You have got to talk to him. You have to let him know you're going to get more playing time. Because having Desmond King on the field won't hurt us. I guarantee you that. Having Desmond King on the field more will only help us because that kid is a baller. Even in the Kansas City game where he didn't have that much playing time, the man made like three or four big tackles. He's a great tackler, and he would be a perfect fill-in at strong safety for Derwin James if they would just go ahead and pull the trigger on it. Now Rayshon Jenkins is banged up, who was playing strong safety, and this is Desmond King time to go. Let Rayshon and Nasir play free safety. Desmond King should be playing strong safety, and that'll give him a lot of playing time. Well, now with Chris Harris Jr.'s injury, Desmond's obviously probably going to be the starting slot corner again like he was last year. I hope he's motivated enough to keep playing. I'm sure he will be just because it is his contract year. This is his time to make his money. This is the end of his rookie contract. He's a third-round pick, so this is it right here. He's got to make the big money this offseason with the Chargers or with someone else, and let's just face it. The way the Chargers have handled the situation, the way the Chargers have handled him going out on Twitter and stuff like that. I think Desmond King is gone, everyone. I think we can go ahead and book that one already. That one free agency comes around or via trade, he's going to find his way out of Los Angeles. And I believe that that is a direct result of the way Coach Lynn and the Chargers handled the situation with Desmond King and Chris Harris Jr. being on the same team. Chris Harris Jr. is not a young guy. Getting him some rest in between plays in drives, maybe even give Desmond King whole drives at that spot, would not hurt Chris Harris Jr. Chris Harris Jr. probably would actually like to have something like that at this point in his career. Now, moving into decisions made actually in the game. Obviously, we had the fourth and one. The famous fourth and one from a couple weeks ago obviously grabs your attention right away. And while I see his point that we believe in this defense, it was an interesting situation. It was overtime where our defense was visibly... Very easily to tell that they're gassed. He could have went and asked them, guys, are you tired? And they probably would have said yes. <laughs> they probably would have said, hell yes. <laughs> so gassed that on that drive, that he, when he punted to Patrick Mahomes, there was about four or five plays on that drive that the entire defensive line had to come out of the game because they were too tired to continue. Knowing your defensive line and your defense is that tired and you have a fourth and one and you're about to punt to the best offense in football, Best team in football? That's not the right decision there. Go ahead and go for it on fourth down. If you miss it, you lose the game. If you punt it, you lose the game. So the only other option is to go for it, and if you get it, you have a chance to win the game. And I'm sure that we – I was feeling good about that drive. I felt like we probably could have went down and scored a touchdown on that drive, at least gotten a field goal. We were moving the ball pretty well up until that fourth and one. So that's interesting. Yeah. And then also last week you could tell that he pulled the dogs back, right? Against Kansas City, we were absolutely destroying their O-line. We were getting to Patrick every play just about, applying pressure on him without having to blitz. That's something that you wanted to continue into the next game. I know I said they need to watch out on the quarterback scrambles with Teddy Bridgewater and they need to be ready for that. That's a situational thing. You leave a QB spy in the middle of the field or something on a third and five, and that solves that problem. And you tell your DBs, who are one of the best secondaries in the league, Go play defense. It's that simple. And you unleash Joey Bosa. And you unleash Jason Tillery. And you unleash uh, Nuelsu, who I know can get a good pass rush. We've seen it before. You could tell in this game against the Panthers that Anthony Lynn pulled him back and said, hey, we're giving up too many QB scrambles. You guys need to stay home a little bit more. And while that is a good way to adjust to the QB scrambles, 
that also is a way to not get a pass rush, and we're not blitzing enough. So if we're not blitzing and we're not pass rushing, Teddy's just standing back there and waiting for someone to come open, and that's how they get these dink and dunk drives and get these field goals. So that that was a big deal to me. I feel like you need to let those guys go, especially this week against Tom Brady. We're going to get into that a little bit more later on the show. And the final and the biggest issue I have right now with Anthony Lane, especially in the last couple games, is how sloppy we have looked as a football team the past few weeks. We do not look like an NFL team out there. We look like a JV team or a high school varsity team playing against NFL players, looking nervous, dumb mistakes, penalties, ridiculous misfortune, and it's always surrounded the Chargers. This has been a Chargers problem for as long as I can remember. And it was an ugly, ugly, ugly performance Sunday. And in my opinion, this falls on Coach Lynn. You don't see Bill Belichick-led teams, Mike Tomlin or Sean Payton-led teams dealing with similar issues like this. An emphasis needs to be placed on this exact thing in practice. Clearly, Coach Lynn has not done that to this point, or we wouldn't be dealing with these kind of problems as often as we do, which is almost every single play the entire game. It was ridiculous. And we lost because of this. We are 1-2 and two because of the sloppy play of the last two coaches. It's time to clean it up. Clean it up. Whatever Coach Lynn has to do to get this team to clean up those dumb mistakes, it's time to emphasize on that. Whatever his, his plan is to do that. And if he doesn't, if we come out and do the same thing, guess what's going to happen? We're going to lose to every team in the NFL. You're going to lose to every team in the NFL if you do what we did this last weekend. Plain and simple. You will lose to every team except for maybe the Jets in the NFL if you do what you did Last weekend in the self-destructive penalties, mistakes, and costly just ball bouncing the wrong way for us. It's that simple. You, you, <laughs> it's it's going to happen. So we got to clean that up. We have to clean that up. For the love of God, please clean that up. I'm not calling for Coach Lynn's head here by any means. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think he should get fired midseason. I think he definitely makes it through the season. But the Chargers have been beating themselves since the Norv Turner days, guys. And if I don't know about you... But I'm tired of it, and it's time for that to end. That's no longer acceptable. We can't be that franchise again. We can't continue to do this. We can't let this happen week in, week out, game in, game out, every single season for 10 straight years. We cannot let this keep happening. And I'm starting to get Mike McCoy flashbacks right now, looking at the Chargers in this last week, and even in the KC game a little bit. We've already seen this story. Let's nip it in the butt right now. Let's end this right now. End the self-destruction right now. If we play a really good game and we lose, so be it. But I hate at the end of a game looking at it and being like, man, we should have won that freaking game. Are you kidding me? That, that's what my thought was after this game. That was my thought after the KC game. That's been my thought of games for the last five, six, seven, eight, nine seasons. And we cannot keep doing this over and over again. Great team win in Denver. Way to go. Let's keep it going. Getting better every week. All right, let's finish this show. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this point. I hope you're enjoying what I'm saying, whether you disagree or agree with me. Um, you can go let me know if you agree or disagree with me at the official Instagram page of the High Voltage Talk Show. It is handle at Chargers Universe. That's simple. Chargers Universe. 
that's the handle for now until I could change it to something that relates to the show. It's going to happen this week, I think. So everyone get excited. Anyways, let's close the show out with a preview of our upcoming game versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is going to be a fun game, despite, you know, you're thinking, oh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to beat us up. But I think this will be a fun game. I think we play them tight. Let's go over the injuries first. This is a little scary, the injuries. Chargers injuries include Brian Bulaga, who is questionable. We need him. You saw what it what the hurt of him being out was last week and how much pressure was applied to Justin Herbert. Melvin Ingram's doubtful. I don't think he's going to play. He was on IR. Justin Jackson, he's doubtful. I don't think he's going to play. The other Justin, <laughs> Justin Jones, he is out. He's out. He's not even doubtful. Tyrod is out, obviously. Nick Vigil is doubtful. I highly doubt he's going to play. And Trey Turner is questionable. He's another guy that we need back desperately right now. Now, the reason I said this was scary, because if you look at Tampa Bay's injury report, it's pretty much clean. They have full strength, everyone, ready to go against the Chargers this weekend. Some of the keys for us to somehow win this game, first of all, we need to stop this running back committee. They're going to go after us a lot. They're going to have fresh legs on the field at all times. LaShawn McCoy, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. we got to stop them. we got to focus on making them pass which is a weird thing to say but at this point in Tom Brady's career I think we want him to try and pass especially with the team that we have on defense we need them to force them to pass because we can get a solid pass rush on Brady and we can play good in coverage this is kind of the key to beating Tom Brady in his career we can get a good rush on him he's a less mobile quarterback and we are built to beat him having a good secondary having a good pass rush that is kind of the combination that you need to take down a quarterback like Tom Brady now, now they have such a good receiving core, can our DBs keep up with them? That's a question that we're going to have to answer. And, and that's how we're going to beat this team is if we can get our players to play better than their players, which seems like a dumb thing to say. But that's the only way that we're going to be able to beat this team is if we can rise up to their level and beat them at their own game. That's the way we're going to have to do it. Offensively, we need to eliminate the bonehead mistakes. That's the biggest thing. Make the right play calls. These mistakes are amplified against a quarterback like Tom Brady because he's going to capitalize on all of them. Every time you make a mistake, we saw what happened a couple years ago in the playoffs when they absolutely destroyed us. When you make mistakes against a quarterback like Tom Brady, you're asking to get beat up. You're asking to get blown out, right? <laughs> we need to add more quarterback design runs on third down and the red zone i know we've been doing very good on third downs we need to keep converting our third downs i could definitely see us putting in some more quarterback run design plays just because herbert can move with the ball he can move more than you would think and that could be the x factor in this game and getting into the end zone to cap off drive and that's the next thing i'm going to say we have not been capping off drives with a very solid touchdown finish it has been usually either a field goal or a mistake that knocks us out of field goal range so we need to make sure that we cap off these drives with touchdowns for the majority of the time, especially in this game. Herbert's going to need two to three touchdowns, either two running and one passing, or two passing, one rushing, or three passing. He's going to need a couple touchdowns, and he's going to need to turn the ball over zero times. I think if he turns the ball over once even, I think we're screwed. You know what I mean? With all the other mistakes we're probably going to make, I think that one turnover would kill us if he did turn it over. Let's hope that he can improve upon what he's been doing, play a little safer against a team with Tom Brady as their quarterback and the superpower offense that they have. Make sure you don't turn the ball over and cap off those drives. Also, don't be intimidated. While this defense is very good, let the kid play. He needs to play. Um, let him do what he does best, and that's air it out. Get ready for a strong pass rush. But if we can get our two linemen back, Trey Turner and Bulaga, the guys that I thought were going to be the biggest additions to this team to help us be more successful because our O-line sucked the last couple of years. Once those guys get back in there, I think we'll be able to neutralize the pass rush a little bit. 
from what I've seen from Josh Kelly and what I've seen from Austin Eckler, they're pretty good in pass coverage. So we really need the starting line versus this pass rush. If that's the case, I feel like we can do okay. Overall, it would take an upset. I will admit it. Our rookie quarterback and the co- and in company, the entire offense, is going to need to ball out against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But even if we lose in this game and we just see some growth from Herbert, some growth from Kelly, some growth from Ke- uh, Kenneth Murray, that's a win for us in the long run. Because that's really what the season's about, is getting those guys their rookie year and getting those guys to become the core of this team as we move on into the next couple of seasons with Herbert at quarterback my score prediction for this game is 24 to 21 bucks you're probably thinking that might be a little bit too close that might be a little bit too close maybe it's gonna be like 31 21 i think justin herbert's gonna have a little bit of a more explosive game i think they're gonna have to let him go towards the end of this game because we're going to be probably playing from behind and maybe we might just not have enough juice to make a full comeback and that's why i have it at 24 21 i think we play him closer than you think and we could possibly see another chance at Herbert leading us to a game-winning drive. We'll see if he can pull it off or not. Either way, playing against Tom Brady, playing against a great team of the Buccaneers, is a great learning experience for him, especially when he's going to see the Chiefs twice a year in our own division. So that's the preview of the Tampa Bay game. Again, I got 24-21, us losing. We'll see what happens in the actual game. If we upset him, I'll be ecstatic, as I'm sure all of you will be as well. That's going to do it for episode two of the High Voltage Talk Show. I'm having a great time doing this. I'm going to start bringing people on to talk with me, talk a little bit of Chargers, talk with me. Maybe maybe some random fans or followers of the page or followers of the podcast. I'm going to get a few episodes in by myself first, make sure that I got everything down before I start bringing on others to the show to join me to talk some Chargers talk. But I look forward to doing stuff like that. I have a lot of plans for this. And if you have any suggestions, suggestions, Do not hesitate to hit me up with those suggestions. Believe me, I have my format to my show. It's similar to my other podcast. I want this podcast to be the perfect experience for a Chargers fan. That is why it is an all Chargers podcast. So any suggestions that you have to improve this show to your liking, I will do it. Hit me up. You can find me at Shondog13 on Instagram. You can find me uh, at Mike on the Mic Pod. That's my other podcast. And you can find me at Chargers Universe. That's the page for this podcast on Instagram or on any of the social media platforms. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I appreciate your support. This is going to be a lot of fun doing this. This is the second episode. I've already had a lot of fun. The shows are running on longer than I thought. Just because I start ranting about my favorite team and I have so much to say about my favorite team. Let me know what you guys think again. Thanks for tuning in. Go Chargers. Bolt up, guys.